Welcome to the Relationship for Win Win podcast. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Kevin. And we've been married for 25 amazing years. Well, they haven't all been amazing, to be honest, babe. That's true. And we have four awesome kids. We do. And we love them so much. And babe, I love you. And we're just trying to share some things that we've learned about life. Uh, we're not experts by any stretch of the imagination. We're not counselors. We're not professionals. But we have lived life a little bit. And we hope to share some things with you that are beneficial. So thanks for listening. Today, Kevin and I are going to be discussing marriage killers. Wow. I know. It's intense. It is. And as I was putting my thoughts and writing down different things that were marriage killers, I was thinking, wow, it is a miracle that we have been married for 25 oh years. Oh, my gosh. We, I know. We had a lot of these. <laughs> and I'm like, but we, it's, it's a testament, I think, to us that we did not give up and that you can overcome any and all of these, if any of these are an issue in your marriage. Yeah, I look at these, the list that you kind of uh, assembled here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I'm all of these, and like, what a head case. And then, uh, and then I think, no, these are mostly you. These are this is your list. What? So you it's know, a combo. It but really is. you know, the thing is, we've learned from them, and we are just working on getting better and trying to overcome these things. Some some will be lifelong. But some, I think, have really, for whatever reason, clicked with me, especially, that it's like, okay, I don't want that in my life anymore. Yeah, and, and part of it is just understanding what the enemy is, right? right. So if it's a marriage killer, which I love that title, by the way, yeah. marriage killers, <laughs> you know, if, if if you know that's what the enemy is and say, so let me just, I know what I'm fighting now. Yeah, you know. and there's always ways and help out there to change any of these. So Did you come up with this idea of marriage killers, by the I way? I don't know. I think that sounds I, I, cool. It sounds like maybe a future book. Maybe, okay. maybe. Maybe so. So let's get into yeah. it. Like what what are what I want I'm anxious to see this list. Okay. And and for our listeners to hear what you've compiled. So the first one I came up with was defensiveness. And I I don't agree. <laughs> I have found that I have been defensive a lot of our marriage and about especially things that I'm sensitive about, one being my weight. Or my eating habits or exercising. So I know if Kevin would ever mention anything to me, I would just get super defensive. Right. And anyways, it was not good. It wasn't healthy. I felt terrible. You felt terrible. You felt like you could never talk to me and tell me your true feelings about whatever. And so what I realized how to cure defensiveness is if someone says like, oh, why are you eating that candy bar? Instead of getting angry at that, thinking, yeah, right, I, I made a commitment to myself to not have sugar. Um, I probably shouldn't eat the candy bar. Um, really do a self-reflection instead of getting defensive. See if anything that they said was true or like, you haven't made dinner all week. Instead of getting defensive about that, say, you know, you're right. I haven't made dinner all week. We've been eating out. Or the hell I did. I made yeah. it once this week, not all week. <laughs> yeah, or if there, if that's right, if really there was only six days that I didn't make dinner, but one day I did make dinner, I'm going to stand up for myself and say, you know what, actually, I did make dinner on Sunday, but you're right, I haven't made dinner. I'm going to do better at that and really try to do that. So just acknowledging what part of what they said was true. And then if there was something that maybe wasn't true, standing up for yourself. And I think that comes with being secure in how you're having more confidence and being secure. So um, I think defensiveness is a huge issue in marriages. And I'm not perfect at it. 
Oh, I'm going to tell you, we honestly, all get defensive sometimes. babe, like from where you were to where you are now, and for someone that deals with someone that can have a defensiveness personality, you feel like you're walking on eggshells, right? right. It's like, I can't bring anything up because it's like, oh, I'm going to hit that. And it's like, Ugh. so I'm just, let me just not say anything, which all of a sudden you're suffering. Right. They're suffering. And we just tiptoe around like this problem that's not there because I don't want to bring it up because they're just going to blow up or whatever, you know. And, you know, so it, it does. It becomes really yeah. tough. But but honestly, babe, what you have done, I think you just nailed it when you said this to our listeners, is owning that. Yeah. Owning the truth. Yeah. Owning the truth of whatever you think it is. Having your back on what that person didn't notice or didn't see. Right. And, and yeah, examining what's not true here. Like, let me just say, in my defense... You're right. I have not been great with blank lately, or I didn't do this, or I did do that. But then you just kind of come out and say, you know what? In my defense, I did do blank. And it comes with confidence. And I've noticed the more confidence that you've had, you've been able to not be defensive, but you've been able to have a conversation about whatever it is. And it's so much healthier. So much healthier. What's Um, another one? Another one, the need to be right. I find this interesting because if you find yourself – always needing to be right, I think it's a sign of insecurity and you're afraid of something. Because honestly, like when you're, if you're needing to be right, that means your spouse needs to be wrong. And that means someone's losing and someone's winning. And so it's just not a healthy thing. And if you're going to put your feet in the ground, I'm going to be right no matter what. Hell or high water. I mean, it's not a great way to connect in your marriage and to build a close relationship. So maybe look and say, is that really important enough? I mean, there could be something in your life that is that important that you have to make sure that you're right about. But if you're right on, if you have to be right on every subject, then we start to keep track. Well, I've been right 17 times and you've only been right once. So clearly I've got this down. No one wants to keep score. No one wants to be right all the time. No one wants to be married to someone that has to feel like they're right all the time. Like that's lose-win, right. like you said. Yeah, it, it's just not a it's not a fun thing to be around. And so, and if you know those people that always have to be right, like honestly, no one likes to be around them. No, it's not fun, particularly being married to that forever. Um, and, and I think with the whole concept of being right, again, it's, it's a keeping score thing. And it's sometimes you just have to look and say, is it? Do we just want to get this solved or do we just have to be right about it? Because a lot of times it's like, let's just get it solved and and work together and get it done as opposed to I'm right and you're wrong. And usually there's lots of ways to go about just because one person parents one way, another person parents another way. It's not like one is right and one is wrong. They are just different. Yeah. So coming together and talking that through again, say, let's, what are we really trying to accomplish? trying to get our, our child better grades or healthier friends or whatever the deal is. And I don't have to be right because my way was the right way again. It's like, no, let's actually work this through together and because yeah. we're ultimately striving for the same goal. Or, you know, the, the dishwasher. Goal. You yeah. loaded the dishwasher wrong. You right. know, it's yeah. like be grateful someone loaded the dishwasher. Yeah, let me show you how and... if you load it this way, you get seven more <laughs> plates and two more cups this way. So I'm clearly right. It's like yeah. – didn't we just need to get the dishes done? Like, I think we just need to get the dishes done. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. Okay. Um, resentment, um, I think, is a huge marriage killer. People, mm-hmm. there's lots of ways you can feel resentment in your marriage. And I think it definitely goes down to lack of communication. You're not communicating your needs or what you want or – and you're also not grateful. Yeah. You don't have gratitude because when you're resentful, you're not 
you're thinking what they did or didn't do instead of being grateful. And, I, and I've heard this with, I certainly felt this way myself sometimes, is I felt like I was the wallet in the family. Like I just show up, I'm just, I'm the breadwinner for the family. No one's given me well done. No one's telling me like, gosh, you know, you did a great job at work this week or month or thanks for providing for us. Love this trip. And I've talked to a lot of um, other men and I think there's a lot of men that feel that way. Um, and, And clearly there's a lot of women that feel that way too. They're like, well, no one appreciates me for what I do. And the same thing holds true on both sides. Like if if you don't show appreciation and gratitude, like you said, for what the other spouse is doing in the relationship, resentment builds up. You don't even care about me. You don't even notice that I do this, whatever. And it be, it builds up and it it creates a big wedge. Right. And so if you find yourself resenting your spouse, maybe look inside and figure out what's going on for you and try to have a conversation about it and maybe think, okay, find ways to communicate that as well as, okay, let me think of all the ways I do love my spouse and focus on what you do love and appreciate instead of what you don't. Yeah. And if you're feeling, and if you're feeling, you know, resentment towards somebody else because they don't acknowledge your things, maybe it's a, you know, something that you do some introspection on. I think I've done this before and to say, Babe, can we sit down for a second? Like, this is kind of how I'm feeling. I'm not feeling as connected to you. And I feel like that I'm a little bit unappreciated, to be honest with you. I don't need, you know, banners outside, you know, <laughs> hey, you know. But but certainly you can do some things to show that. And I think that you examine that. Don't get defensive. Right. Right. And then you say, you know what, you're probably right. I, I haven't shown that lately. Mm-hmm. How can I do that for you? Or I've got some ideas or whatever. And so... It just minimizes that because that yeah. can be a marriage killer for sure. Yeah. And a lot of these are kind of all intertwined. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What's what, what um, we got for number four? Uh, possessiveness. Oh. Um, I think if you're possessive of your spouse, you don't want them to hang out with friends or do things that they enjoy. Um, I don't know if we have an issue with this in our marriage, if no. you've ever had an issue, but... Um, I think it's a big it's, issue for yeah, some people. For sure. They um they just want their spouse all to themselves and yeah. and that's a lot of times definitely it, you not know, healthy. probably comes a lot of times people have been hurt in a relationship, someone's been cheated on, someone's been whatever, and so they, they think like if I can be possessive of you and keep you in my control all the time, thank goodness you haven't done that with me because you know, I, I rebel against that in a heartbeat. Right. And you know, sometimes people you know, want to put chips in their Kids are, you know, yeah. constantly looking at everything where they're at and, uh, you know, chip their husband, wife, uh, you know, figure out my, what is it called? Like, find my iPhone. Yeah, my yeah, iPhone. Yeah, my, whatever. Find it my is. friends. Find, yeah, that's right. We're finding something <laughs> somewhere. We're tracking them down. So all of a sudden, I think that's a little bit of possessiveness is to say, I, I've got to have control of that a little bit. And a lot of it probably comes from some hurt mm-hmm. things, and maybe you got to. Although go deal I do with that. do that, so maybe I am slightly possessive. <laughs> again, this list is yours, babe. I'm telling you, I'm out. No, I mean, I, again, we probably all do these things to a certain degree or another, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, criticism. Not oh. that you were ever critical. No, oh my gosh, no. Yeah, <laughs> we can go to the next one. Tell us about criticism, babe. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I know that I did this for years and years, and I probably still do, but like far, 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 far less. But I can criticize like myself and you, certainly of everybody. Like if I didn't 
you know, if I was one, you were one A in the terms of like who got criticized. And it, I mean, who in the hell wants to be married to that? Like nobody. Um, it was rough. <laughs> I, I, bet, I bet. Like bless your heart for still being here. Um, but I look at that as to say it's true. It, it, and I don't think I really meant to do that. I think it was probably an outlook on life and just kind of picking things apart a little bit. And it, it's amazing. What I, I, I had this realization, I think, several years ago was to say, I can either choose to spend my time and look at all the things that my wife does wrong, or I can look at the things that she does right. And by doing so, one, I'm happier and two, it's accentuating the positive. It makes you want to go do those things more, and it it just lessens those other things that don't matter, right? You you can go into your kid's room, and, and they've made their bed, and their clothes are all hung up and whatever else, and you can go in there and find the one pair of shoes that's not put away. Or you can say, oh, my gosh, this room looks absolutely amazing. Or you can walk in there and say, oh, you missed a pair of shoes. And it's like, you know, shit, did you not see, like, everything <laughs> else I did here? And imagine being married to that is to say, you know, um, yeah, that's great, babe, that you cooked the meals and you you went out to work and you brought home a paycheck and you did this and you did that, but you didn't walk the dog today. Oh, you know, I mean, who wants to be married to that? So I, I think for me, I made a conscious decision to say, I'm just going to stop criticizing. Yeah, and it's honestly made such a huge difference to me and to hear you say positive, even though maybe inside I'm like not a hundred percent sure that you're telling me the truth. It really gives me a lot more confidence. Um, it makes me want to try harder and do better. And it's just a, it, it's just so much better. And I see it in our kids. I think they're thriving more too. I think he's it probably just builds, it builds confidence yeah. in everybody. And again, you don't walk around and just dwell on all of the negativity of all the things that's wrong with my life and my spouse because then when you do that, it, you start to see somebody else and like, oh, I bet they have no problems or mistakes or whatever. And you realize, no, they do too. And it's probably worse. Right. So, yeah. So, so criticism, yeah. and definite we can, marriage we can all, No one's perfect at no. not criticizing, but it's just paying attention if you do it often or not. Yeah. Um, unrealistic expectations. And I think uh, oh this gosh, was a hard one, one for, for Kevin. Me. And it was hard for me because Kevin used to have a list. And I eventually actually burnt the list because it was causing me so much uh, pain. Well, here's the, well, here's it the caused story. me so much pain. So here's the story. Years and years ago, yeah. we're married, probably married three years, and we had like our first child was mm-hmm. born. And um, I think that you just kind of came out and said, what do you expect of me? And I right. was like, all right, I'll write down a <laughs> list. And I wrote down like 10 things. Right. And you... So I did ask. You're right. I do. I, and, I admit that. And I remember then like thinking, that's legitimately my list. And lo and behold, it was years <laughs> later. Like, you're not a hoarder, but damn, you don't throw some stuff away. <laughs> and you brought this out later. I was like, I'll fold it up. And I was like, what is this? You're like, this is the list that you made <laughs> 10 years ago. I'm like, you are kidding me. And I looked at the list. I'm like... Pretty much still true. <laughs> and then, you know, whatever. And so I'm like, but in some of those I've looked and say, you know what? Some matter and some don't. And reality is, is that some of those things don't matter. But here's what I've learned with, with unmet expectations. Anything that's unrealistic and unmet, it creates a massive amount of frustration. So imagine you expect your spouse to do blank, 
and they come, you know, and they don't, you want them to do a hundred percent. Yeah. That's unrealistic. And they come in at like 40% pretty consistently. You've got a 60% gap there of frustration that just builds up and builds up and builds up, causes resentment, whatever. And so I think you don't have to like lower your expectations or, or, you know, well, I'll just love you for who you are. And that's just, it's like, no, you can just maybe set a more realistic expectation is to say, do I want my spouse to, you know, cook like Martha Stewart every meal? No, but you know what? Can I expect like a, a pretty good meal? Like, the, and we can do it together, or and maybe it's that we have to find different ways to make that happen. You know, maybe there's cooking classes, or maybe there's recipes that we do, or we try different stuff. But like, just setting more realistic expectations it eliminates frustration. And who wants to be married to somebody that's frustrated all the time? I know right. I don't. And I so think, God bless you for being here still. <laughs> Holy cow. I think too, um, if if that's an expectation of yours, you might just have to do it. You know what I mean? Like if you want uh, the towels folded a certain way. Yeah, um, good point. You know, and your spouse is continually not folding the towels the way you want and it's driving you crazy. I'm on towels. Let me yeah. let me just do towels because it drives me insane. Yeah. And so instead of just getting mad at them, say, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over the towels and hopefully you can have the conversation because I think sometimes we expect someone to do something and maybe that's not their wheelhouse, that's not Yeah. If I expected you to be an opera singer, it's like, it ain't going to happen. Right. But, you know, so just having more realistic expectations eliminates frustration and move on with that for sure. Um, Control. I think control is a big one. And I'm like, oh, I don't control. And even one of our sons said, mom, you do too. And so in my mind, I feel like I'm not super controlling, but apparently I am. And I I'm just mindful of it and I'm working on it and I try not to be, <laughs> I try to. Be. I remember your brother years ago, <laughs> you would like talk about that. Like you would say something to him and he'd sing the Janet Jackson song, Control, uh. Control. <laughs> yeah, it was like all of a sudden you're like, am I controlling? It's like, here's the thing. I don't think you mean to be. None of us mean no. to be any of these things. We either saw it at home, we developed it somewhere along the way, picked up a bad habit. Part of it just let me be conscientious yeah. now and let me kind of course correct a little bit to make my relationships right. better. And I realize I don't have all the best ideas and and especially with teenagers and young adults, it's just letting letting go. And sometimes it's harder to do that than others, but I'm working on it. Yeah, you are. I think you're doing a great job. Um, nagging. That was one that you suggested. And so it is <laughs> But you're true. not a nagger. Honestly, I, you're not a nagger. Yeah, I don't think so. But everyone can be. Like, you know, it just I think it's your tone, how you say things, how you talk to your spouse. Just be mindful of that. And if you're nagging someone to do something, maybe just get up and do it yourself. You know, or find uh, out like what what's preventing yeah, us from getting this done. You? Yeah, how can like, I help? Right. Um, what's keeping us from getting this done? Kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And have a conversation. Um, lying, deceit. I mean that that's a huge marriage killer. So anytime you find yourself lying or find out why are you lying, what are you trying to hide? Yeah, I th- and I think that that goes for self-examination a lot of times, and it can start off really small. Yeah, and we did do a whole podcast on lying. Yeah. But, um, so it, there's lots of reasons why people So you can go lie. back and, yeah. yeah, you can go back and listen to the reasons why we lie, but I, I'll tell you that they start off small a lot of times, yeah. and, and they could be super innocent and... 
but it, it does, it creates a wedge. Yeah. It can be lying on, again, uh, money we spend, who we were with, where did we go? And and you sometimes people just start lying and they don't even know why they're lying. It's like, right. I, I just, I don't know. I just didn't tell the truth. And you're so accustomed to it. And then it creates, you know, Distrust. doubt and some, just yeah. right. And so anyway, marriage killer with the the, the less amount of, of truthfulness that we're sharing. Right. Being honest wedge, is yeah. super important. Money can be a huge marriage killer. Um, spending it, not communicating. um when you're, you know, what you're buying, you're both buying and spending and not telling each other. And my wife has a black belt in <laughs> shopping. And um, so we've talked about this before just to yeah, say. We've had lots of money, uh, money fights. And it doesn't matter how much money you make, you can still fight about money. Oh, sure. Because you can always <laughs> spend more than you make. Like right. that's easy to do. And and sometimes you come from different families, like with someone's a saver and someone's a spender and you know, whatever. And so just not having a conversation about how do we look at money? How do we value money? What does money do for us? What's important? How are we going to spend this pot that we've got? And uh, yes, yeah, so all of a sudden having better communication and discussions around money. Otherwise, if you kind of do your own ways, huge marriage killers. Yeah. Um, withholding affection. I, I I don't think either one of us do this, but I've heard you know, I've been on the couch for a month now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's so not you. No. No, it's not. No. You're, but, you're not. Um, but I know that this happens in marriages and they, they get They use mad. sex as a weapon. Yeah, they use sex as a weapon. And it's like almost like a they. you have to do this and I'll do this. It's like a transaction. And it's manipulative. That, it's very manipulative. It is not healthy. It will definitely kill your marriage if you're doing that. So. Definitely yeah, stop, yeah, figure out figure why out you're doing what, it, yeah. and uh, try to change that. Yeah, and sometimes it maybe sometimes we feel like that's the only tool that I've got. Yeah, to it's get like this a power. Person. It is. It's a power deal. It's yeah. a manipulative thing, and they feel like that's the only way I can get this thing done if I use sex as a weapon. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't have to. We can actually yeah. talk and communicate this through, and then your sex is actually better. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, not having goals or plans. I think we've definitely had this in our marriage. We just were both like kind of living our lives separately, um, not having a lot of goals. But now I think we have lots of goals and plans. Yeah, and I think when you're first married, like you're you're newly married and you're like you're trying to get out of debt or try to save for a home or you're buying your first table together or whatever. These are all real moments with us, right? Right. Getting out of debt. Um, saving for getting down payment on a home, buying our first kitchen table together, like all these different things, you've got goals. And then as life becomes more complicated and you start spinning more plates in the air and try to keep all these plates going, uh, the less you start to come together, unless you make a conscious decision to say, we need to have goals together. Otherwise we're just drifting apart and you're doing your thing and I'm doing my thing. And before you know it, you're like, I don't even know who the hell you are. I don't even like you anymore. And as opposed to let's bring it together, it's one of the things we've done the last several years is to say, we've got to have some goals together. And by doing so, it does bring us together, connects us, makes us feel more unified for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, A few more. Poor communication. I think communication is key. It just takes practice, practice, practice. Um, We have – our communication is – a whole new world, I think. <laughs> no, we didn't used to communicate. Yeah, I, I was I was walking on eggshells with yeah, you. Yeah, we had lots of communication me. issues. Yeah. Um, and so I think 
practicing communication. You can improve your communication. If you don't feel like you're a good communicator, that can change. Just practice, practice, practice. Dave, I mean, I'll, I'll let our listeners know, like, this is how some things would go. We would get into a, a fight about something, and I may be a little bit stronger communicator back then than you are. You're an amazing communicator now. Some of it's come from your life coaching stuff. Some of it's come from just being more confident in who you are, etc. But there were times I'm like, I'd hit the ball over the net, like metaphorically speaking in tennis, mm-hmm. and you would have nothing to say back. Right. I would just be silent. Right. And right. and I'm like, babe, like we got to talk about this. She's like, well, let me get back to you tomorrow on that. And it was like, <laughs> you know, um, it was frustrating. Right. Or I wouldn't say what I mean and you wouldn't say what you mean. And we've done other podcasts on this content communicating. Like, But you're absolutely right is to say communication is a deal breaker. It's a killer. In mm-hmm. wartime, it's one of the first things that they send out is to knock out the communication of the enemy, and then no one can talk to one another and communicate, and chaos exists. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you've got poor communication, man, it will be a marriage killer mm-hmm. for sure. That's true. So I'm sure, friends, that you guys could think of other marriage killers. We probably didn't hit all of them, but um, do a reflection on your marriage. If you want to you know, figure out what things you're doing that are great, but also what things that probably aren't so great, and try to work on those. Because I think it's for sure important if you want to have a strong marriage to get rid of any marriage killers that yep. you might have. Amen. Friends, one of the greatest compliments that you can pay us is to introduce your friends and family to our podcast so that we can all grow and learn together. So thanks so much for listening today to the Relationship 411 podcast. Please like and share, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Remember, we promise to give you the 411 about relationships. So you don't have to call 911 for yours. 